This is the Transmission Times. Every parental interaction that I've had in the past couple of weeks, that question is brought up either by myself or by the other party of like, what are you going to do this fall? What do you think about it? Have you heard anything? What's happening? This is a huge looming question for us with small kids because it's such a huge part of what our lives are going to look like depending on what happens with them for school. I'm a teacher and I am teaching abroad in Singapore and it's a totally different picture here. The case numbers are extremely low, so they've reopened schools. And I work with three-year-olds, so the government guidelines are everyone takes their temperature twice a day and we record it. Our students run in groups of five, so they have a color band that they wear and they're the red group or the blue group. And they're supposed to only stay with those five children for two week cycles. And then we can reshuffle them into a new group of children. I've been toying with it for a while and then finally, you know, really dove into the research of it and found myself in a place where I was comfortable enough to pull the trigger. And we're gonna be first time homeschoolers. For us, it felt like the mental well-being of our children really was the biggest motivator for this. You know, the idea of whatever capacity they'd be going back to school. And there's been so many rumors and nothing set in stone, but half remote, half live, full-time live, live that then goes back to remote, right? And there's all these questions. And and they're even saying, you know, nobody has the answers. We don't know what the school year is going to look like. That lack of structure and like knowing what's coming, that wreaks havoc on me. And I didn't want to put them through that unnecessarily. The thing about it is that with three-year-olds, it's absolutely impossible to do it this way. So they wear masks all day long, and, you know, that's iffy. They sort of come off or get really sweaty, or we have to change them several times. And they wander. So they're three and they wander in and out of different groups and we're supposed to have kept them separate the whole time. And then we have a transition and then they're all in a big clump anyways. And of course I have so many questions and of course I don't have the answers. And there'll be moments where I think, oh my God, I was crazy to do this. I'm sure. But I feel so much better just having made a decision, just knowing that like, there's this small piece of the pie that is within my control, right? My children's education at this point in our lives. And so that feels good. It feels like purpose, I guess, in the midst of so much uncertainty, having some purpose feels like a really beautiful gift. I'm happy we're in school and I would much rather be doing this than virtual learning. And again, the risk is very low that I would get it. But while I'm happy to be there, I feel like developmentally, this isn't appropriate what we're asking them to do. I'm from Romania and my COVID count is two. This is a first. Like I've said zero until today. And it's two friends 
who kind of got it from their kid going to the kindergarten. I know in March, as I celebrated my birthday, and we could see the coronavirus doing its work on the West Coast, we were aware as we attended a concert that this might be our last concert. And we were looking around us and wondering if anyone there at this highly undistanced and definitely unmasked gathering had COVID and might infect us. One of the things we've been missing since the pandemic started and we don't quite know if it will be coming back is concerts and live events. Here on Long Island, we have this really nice stadium outdoors at Jones Beach. So it's a beach concert venue. And usually every summer we go to a few concerts, but this year it's obviously been shut down. So that is something we're going to miss if there are some repercussions of the pandemic that end up lasting for the next few years. I do think that will probably be one of the last things to turn back to normal is those large type events. I was talking to a friend the other day about what do you decide regarding having a baby? And she and her husband, they want to conceive before the pandemic, like they started a few months earlier and they were super excited about it. And like they had all these plans and then the pandemic hit and they kind of had to decide, okay, what do we do about that? Like, do we continue with what we want and start a family or do we put things on hold? It's such a weird added layer on top of such a subject that is intense in itself and has a lot of uncertainty in itself and a lot of fears and excitement and all of this when you decide that you want to start a family. You think about all these things, but you never guess that you're going to have to think about the pandemic too. And my friends, like we're at the age of, we kind of don't have the luxury of time, like I'm 34. So it's not like whatever if it takes a few years. Normally, I travel to a different state every week doing securitization reviews for banks. However, now my office is definitely closed, at least our one in Manhattan, until 2021. And we don't foresee ourselves traveling in the meantime just due to other offices having spikes around the U.S. I am very curious to see how things will change in the corporate world. Now that so many different companies have invested so much time and money into different infrastructures, allowing them to work from home. This is something where now I feel like if I go to travel, it's going to be like, well, do we really have to travel there or can this be done remotely to save money for our clients? So things are definitely going to be changing from that perspective, I believe. I remember in the beginning of March when my friends or family had birthdays, I was thinking that their birthdays were going to be special events in a shutdown pandemic emergency. And I wished each of them a happy pandemic birthday and, you know, a unique celebration that they would have this time. And they'd be very special people for it. 
that they were having their birthdays in the pandemic. I had a birthday yesterday, and um, it's not really fun having a birthday in a pandemic, although we made the best of it. I've been scheduling Zoom calls with groups of people I've known throughout my life at different times, groups of former coworkers, teachers that I've worked with. And I had one call last night, and it was just really beautiful to see people, even though it was on the screen that I haven't seen in 15 years. And now as the year rolls around and we're headed toward fall, I'm realizing how many people I am wishing happy birthday to past the point where I realized it was such a unique situation. And I fully believe that when my early March birthday comes next year, we'll still be in the pandemic and I'll have a pandemic birthday experience. I think this pandemic has made me realize how precious life is. And I'm well aware of our own mortality every day. Oh, the joys of being forced to be still to allow the senses to sense in ways they've always wanted to, but not ever quite been given the time to do so. In the slowing down, I see and take in the beauty of the simple for no other reason than it being there at that moment. And in that pause, I breathe and smell clean, fresh air and stop and listen and I hear and if I choose I can listen a little longer and hear what my heart is saying. This neuroscientist named Andrew Huberman said that the way that we change our brain is with intention or a sense of urgency and focus. This is why people can make these big drastic changes in their lives with their health habits after they get a scare from their doctor. You know, like if you don't quit smoking, you're gonna die of a heart attack within the next five years. It terrifies them. Their adrenaline goes up and then they focus and they stay focused no matter how hard it is because they have this sense of urgency and it actually changes your brain in a positive way and wires in this new good habit and I listened to that and I thought that what has happened to the entire world is the perfect scenario for hardwiring learning you know, they came out with that first prediction, that imperial model, saying that 500,000 people were going to die in the UK, 2 million people were going to die in the United States, and terrified everybody. So you got a sense of urgency, fear, anxiety. And then everybody's paying attention. What do I need to do? You need to mask up. You need to socially distance. You need to do this. You need to do that. Constant. Every news channel telling you what you need to do 
And that is why we cannot get out of this loop. We have all trained ourselves to be in perpetual fear. This country has lost a lot of time due to the leadership in this country right now. There's so many mixed messages. And I look at other countries that are doing really well. They're doing really well and everyone's on board and it's not a big deal. I'm living in a country that has done everything in its power to make sure they track cases and know where they're at and everyone wears a mask all the time or we have a $300 fine. And there's very few cases in the community now. And if there is a case in the community, it's a 99% chance that they can track it to someone they already knew had it. So I actually foresee a point where Singapore is going to have no more virus on the island and it's just going to close their borders or quarantine people as they come in. And we're going to be able to go about our lives and ride this out until it goes away. This whole mask, no mask debate, it's like, if there's the tiniest chance it could help, then why not? I don't see what the problem is. And it's nothing political about that. It's just common sense. I even heard today a news story about a legislator in, I think it was Tennessee, who said that she wanted there to be a murder charge for anyone caught outdoors not wearing a mask. Murder or attempted murder. And she had to be informed that she couldn't just declare <laughs> that it was a murder or attempted murder that had to go through a process to create a new criminal charge. Having spoken to my mom, hearing her talk about what life is like in the States right now, I'm like, the States isn't taking this seriously. And I really think it'll just have to play out until the point that there's a vaccine or until everyone's had it. And then the number of people who have died will have died there. And could it be less? Yes, it definitely could. You wanna charge people with attempted murder for not wearing a mask? We've gone round the bend. We have seriously just gone round the bend. Honestly, I've had to just turn off the news. I haven't been watching it and I haven't been checking for updates. I feel like I have enough information about what the pandemic may do and what the virus may do in our lives and in our communities. I've got a neighbor who always says, well, we just listen to the local news, right? I mean, there's nothing you can't find out from your neighbors. Like the recent shark attack. I mean, you find out what you need to just by communicating with people close to you. So I'm back on that news train and it's a good one for me. You know, I check in now and then, but that play-by-play -play I feel like is really just causing more trauma for me than it's worth. So you consume enough that you know what's going on, but beyond that feels like I'm beating a dead horse <laughs> and I'm the dead horse in this scenario.
I do listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on Saturday with my son and love to do that with him because he laughs so hard when you listen to the news that way. That's fun and that's all I can handle. I just find it truly depressing to read the news and I have for years. So I do occasionally read the news and then I fall down a giant rabbit hole. And this happened about a week ago. I was reading the New York Times and it was just one article after the next after the next that was making our country look like it had fallen into fascism. I have to say as an outsider, I'm an American living in Singapore and I have been here for six years. And looking from outside, it just seems like we are a fading empire. And I think COVID has only fast-forwarded that process. And it doesn't mean that we'll fall into total disarray. I mean, England used to run the world and, and they're a decent country these days. So it doesn't mean we'll go away. I, it's just our time is up. So even though from afar, it seems it is totally deteriorating there, I know it's still home. And I know we're going to go back there eventually, but it's going to be a long time until we set foot in the U.S. again. And I miss it. I miss a lot of things. I miss tacos and donuts and really, really good pizza. And I miss the people most of all. You know, I've had my fair share of trauma. And even during this pandemic, there have been some things that have happened that have really shaken our family. You know, life doesn't stop. Even though the pandemic feels like it stops everything, it, it doesn't stop life. And when bad things have happened, I try to not think about it like, I wish this had never happened. Even though I do wish that, I just feel like this is life and it's messy and it's ugly. But I'm really trying to find what I can learn from this. And hopefully that learning experience won't also be my undoing. That's the hope, right? <laughs> that this is trial by fire, but hopefully the fire won't burn us to bits. Well, I, of course, I wish it had never happened. And at the same time, it's blatantly obvious that it had to happen to wake us all up. And as I reflect on the changes that have happened in my own family and seeing how people have become a bit more human, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I also like to look at life as a gift and to try to focus on that because it's really the only way that can get me through the harder times. Do I wish it had never happened? Of course. Of course. I wish it had never happened. Because it's taken away our feeling of relative safety. But I think 
it's also put pressure on aspects of our lives and of our country that needed to be addressed. So do I wish that we could have avoided all of this horrible, horrible stuff? Yes. I just try to reframe it sometimes so that it's not just tragic. It helps me. In December, my school gives us money to travel home. And in January every year, I buy my flights home. I've only missed one summer home in the past six years because I was pregnant with my son. And this year was special. This year we were going to travel around the U.S. and start looking at places we want to go back home to. And uh, then February came and Singapore was, you know, in its first wave of fear. And then March came and we all started to realize we weren't going to be able to go home. So I wish the pandemic had never happened because I wanted to go home and see my family. My brother-in-law has never met my son and they just had a baby too, so he has a new baby cousin we were gonna meet. It'll be another year until we can see any of our family in person. So it kind of feels like we've been thrown into the early 1900s where you used to ride a ship across the ocean and you said goodbye to your family and you didn't know when you were gonna see them again. I was so relieved that we were experiencing the pandemic in March and the spring when the days were getting longer and warmer and we had summer to look forward to and I could tell myself the story that, well, as soon as I can swim, everything will be okay. And that was ahead of me. And now we're facing fall, our days are getting darker in the morning, noticeably darker in the evening as well, and I know as we spin down toward the fall equinox, it will speed up even more. This is not my best time of year, and every year I have to work hard to stay afloat until the days start getting longer again in January. This year I think I need to take special precautions not to have mental issues that will overwhelm me in the winter months. And it's a whole different pandemic for me knowing how vulnerable I'll be in a little while. On this day, Women's Day in South Africa, that we take time out to celebrate women and what they mean to the world. I would like to celebrate each and every one of you who have shared in such an open-hearted manner. My heart has been touched. And I feel so privileged and blessed to hear your hearts through these recordings. Thank you. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Diane, Christina, Lauren, Judy, Alicia, Kathleen, 
Britta, Lindsay, Karen, Joan, and Sandy, whose voices are coming to you from Maine, Illinois, Arizona, New York, New Hampshire, California, South Africa, Romania, and Singapore. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times project has been collecting audio diaries from people around the world. But there are many stories we haven't heard, and we'd love to hear your story. Right now, we're looking for answers to the following question. What's been the hardest part of this pandemic? You can submit your answers in one of two ways. You can record on a smartphone using an app like Voice Memos and email it to transmissiontimes at gmail.com. Or you can call our phone number 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro.